welcome to the Regional Roundup, a production of Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a coalition of public and community radio stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah and New Mexico, including this one. I'm Maeve Conran, the coalition's managing editor, and today we'll hear naturalist and best-selling author Craig Childs talk about chaos theory. Chaos is there. Chaos will, will always play a part in our lives. Then, an American flag has flown above Palisade, Colorado for a hundred years, thanks to a committed group of volunteers. John D. Reeder passed away in 1939. That same day, they came up here and replaced the flag to commemorate his dream of keeping old glory flying above the town of Palisade. A New Mexico musician is channeling John Cage and his Navajo ancestors to honor those lost in the long walk. And those of you who want to participate, you're welcome to sing the note as well. You can hold the note as long as you you want. Some people just do a simple bop. And a record-breaking ski event in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 1366, 1367. I'm not counting you until you come back in jeans. From Rocky Mountain Community Radio, it's the Regional Roundup. Last month marked the 15th annual Dark Night event that took place at the Paradise Theatre in Paonia, Colorado. The show is the creation of best-selling author Craig Childs, who blends his storytelling with various performers, mixing spoken word, imagery and live music. Childs is a renowned naturalist and best-selling author of numerous books about the natural world. He spoke with KVNF's Taya Jay on the show the pen and the sword. This year's theme is, is chaos theory, and and uh, it just made sense when I said chaos, which is something that, that I've studied, something that's been part of my life as, as a science. It just kind of emerged, and then I, then I thought, oh, who would be the right people? And, and oh, there's this poet DJ who's just an incredible performer, and then there's this guitar keyboard instrumentalist who we did a show in in zion last year and and i just i just went oh my god you you have us in a trance Mm. um and then putting those two together and then starting to throw out ideas so i i've been writing dark night since uh since april and it's gone through many different iterations it's kind of like writing a book where you know, I throw a bunch of ideas down and go, okay, chaos, how do I want to treat this? And, and what stories do I want to use? And then, then the stories that I start with aren't the stories that end up in the, the final show because they kind of lead to the next story and to the next. And so I'm just scribbling ideas down for, for months and months. And then it, then it starts to hone it really, you know, around September I start writing a, a script. And then in October the... It starts to look like a script, and then, like, like writing a book, uh, you know, right near the end, the last month, I go, "Oh, this is real. <laughs> this is actually going to happen." And and that's when I, 
I start really digging into it and, and, and getting responses from the, from the other performers. And so they become part of the, the story and, and then it just tightens up and hopefully comes together. (laughs) Indeed. Let's talk about chaos. (laughs) I love that you said you studied it as a science. I imagine you've also experienced it as just a regular human being. It's, it's, it's like experiencing the sky. It's, it's going to happen. The sky is there. Chaos is there. Chaos will will always play a part in our lives. And I don't know if I invite it in, but I do leave the, the door cracked. Yeah. I wonder for you, has, has studying chaos as a science sort of given you tools to navigate chaos? It's given me an appreciation of it. I don't know if I'm any better than anybody else at navigating chaos. Uh, at times, I think I'm worse. Uh, but it's let me know how much it plays a role. Chaos being uh, just just letting things happen, letting mm. you know not not controlling it, letting letting variables come in. Uh, and I've just realized how much that plays a part in my writing, uh, in storytelling. That that I don't want to leave it out. I don't want to control everything so it's just airtight because it's so much better when you let things flow in. Um, I, I, I write in public often for that reason, because I want to pick up on the, the atmosphere around me, which I, I want a story to go a certain direction, but then there'll be a conversation happening within earshot of me that keeps pulling my story into another direction and I go okay just let that happen mm-hmm. let let the atmosphere change what you're doing and I think that makes a better a better story because it it's attached to the real organic world rather than my construct how do you define chaos do you have a definition oh. that you like <laughs> chaos is is where an equilibrium or an a, an order is is disrupted and so the the patterns that were there are no longer holding the thing together whatever the thing is if it's a political system it's if it's a a a population of plants or animals or if it's your car (laughs) chaos is is the constructs being dissolved and the the system is now in free fall and it will reorder itself, but it's going to be different. And, and chaos is that moment in between one equilibrium and another, which is a very natural state. And that's one of the things I'm going to get into in this show is, is, yeah, we all like order, but the universe has as much chaos as it does order. And, and it's, you know, it's turbulence. It's not necessarily negative, it can be negative. It can be deadly. It can be horrific. It can also be beautiful. And that's our exploration is, is let's look at all of this. Let's look at the fearful part of chaos and let's look at the beautiful part of chaos and, and how much does it play out in our world. So I don't, it's a hard thing to define, but it's, it's when a system goes from being laminar, like smooth water, to rapids and floods and and noise and violence or or and and I also want to you know it's not 
just about violence. That's more, you know, it's like the difference between mayhem and chaos. There is a mayhem is 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 violent, mm. is is destructive. Mm. Chaos is not in itself violent or destructive. It is just a reordering. So I want to. I will. I, I'm not necessarily looking for mayhem here. Great clarification. <laughs> Let's talk about why chaos now. Why did it feel like a suitable mm. theme right now? It feels like there's a lot of chaos in the world, and it's it's interesting that like the Dark Knight show every year. I just kind of pick up on what's going on in my life, what's going on in the world. But inside of chaos, there's order. There's a structure that, that, that comes out in a surprising way. And, and so, so much of that in my life and so much of that in the world, so much in you know, what's happening between Hamas and, and Israel right now and everyone in Gaza, uh, uh, Ukraine all that's happening in the world right now is you you feel it distinctly and and I guess I wanted to do a show about how do we navigate this and what does this become on all kinds of different levels uh, what where does chaos go so it, it just seemed like the the year to do it I love what you're saying in the sense of to better understand something, we have to meet something where it's at. We have to be curious. We have to explore it and acknowledge it for for what it is and the ways it does show up in our lives so that we can hopefully better better navigate it, better understand it, be in better relation with it. Yeah, it's a tricky thing to be in relation with because we want equilibrium. We want calmness and control, but it's always there. And it's always going to be part of our lives, one way or another. There's no escaping it. And the more you try to control, the more the chaos is going to come exploding out of something. And I guess I'm my take on it is, is let it come through in smaller doses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I, you know, I wrote a book way back. Um, it came out in 2012 on apocalypse and. And that was my argument, and it was saying, you know, apocalypse doesn't have to be this thing that happens all at once, a flash of light, and everything is chaos. It's, it can be something that's ongoing, that is just restructuring the world all the time. And that's, that's where I want to have a relationship with chaos, is, is going, okay, how can I let this move through my life, and, and how can I be part of the new equilibrium that forms mm. rather than, than, oh, my God, just screaming, just panicking, which I'm, I'm good at that too. I, I, you know, there are plenty of times that chaos comes into my life and I'm going, no, 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 not now, not now. <laughs> well, aren't we all there at some yes, point? Yes, we all are. It seems to me too like it's, it's well-suited not only in a sociopolitical sense, but in a in a social sense, in a broad way, we're kind of re we're redefining a lot of of concepts and constructs that have kind of held us in place, and in some ways, as a society, held us back. I think mm-hmm. in all of the different ways that we're examining, you know, gender, or politics, or media, or truth, or you know, there's a lot of sort of set orders that are calling to be re-examined yeah. right now. Yeah, and and that's what chaos does, is it takes, like, gender, that 
such a, a solid thing that we've had for so long and it's gotten pretty old <laughs> and and it's being it's being thrown out and we're in the chaos of it right now we're where are we going to land and i'm seeing a lot of people doing the no 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 not this this is this was our last bastion man and woman and it's like no this is evolution this mm-hmm. is this is how evolution works is something that's solid gets thrown out and then it restructures at a higher level more complex more dynamic more true i think and and uh and i see the 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 fight against it i understand i i go yeah i want the world to be just just the way i want it to be also but it's not really working that well you know we've kind of used it up let's it needs to be shaken up and reformed and yeah there's going to be a period of of great confusion and loss and hurt and and change i I feel like dark knight has often been a show about change and and it's just exploring change in 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 its many different facets and now we're kind of just going headlong into it craig you're a prolific writer but I understand that there are a few manuscripts that have escaped being published. Can we talk about, it was written in 1990, it's called Coyote's Paradigm, a Comparative Study of Chaos Theory and Trickster Mythology. And I want to talk a little bit about that idea of trickster mythology. And in particular, we've sort of talked about chaos in the here and now. I want to go back a little bit and talk about chaos as the ways that it's manifested in our culture over time. And I think that the trickster myth is maybe a nice place to start with that. Yeah, yeah. And this is... uh... This is something I wrote when I was in college, and it was for my honors thesis uh, senior year, and and I was really into mythology, global mythology, and and tricksters were a big part of that. The the trickster who comes in and you know coyote or raven who comes in and fools people and changes you know steals fire from the gods or or whatever it is, and I. And I just, I really was fascinated with with how tricksters work, that the world is often created by them. And it's, that's a global theme, that, that tricksters come in and do something that creates the world we're in. Um, you know, why a raccoon has the stripe across its eyes because of something that Coyote did. You know, the, the world that we're seeing now was, was made by... A jokester by a dangerous character by somebody who comes in and just changes everything and so I I really got into that and I and I when I was writing this I was I was also looking at it in in subatomic physics how what is the trickster in physics that's chaos and it actually is a it's a whole discipline which I didn't know I I just went into it going, oh my God, look, the, look how systems reform. Look how, look how in subatomic physics they're behaving in ways that we don't understand, but they're, they're creating these structures and, and these, these molecular or atomic structures are, are forming where there shouldn't be a, a structure. Where, what is that? How, why is the universe structured? Which leads you to all the big questions of, well, why is anything here? You know, why isn't there just nothing? There's something. 
there's some creative force in the universe. And that's, that's why I was writing about tricksters and the science of chaos is I was trying to get at that creative source, you know, what is creation made of? And, and I feel like that exploration kind of got me a little closer to it. That was renowned author and naturalist Craig Childs speaking with KVNF's Taya J on the show The Pen and the Sword. They were speaking about Childs' recent Dark Night event. It was the 15th annual Dark Night event, which took place at the Paradise Theatre in Paonia. And you can listen to the entire interview at kvnf.org. You're listening to the Regional Roundup from Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a coalition of non-profit radio stations throughout the Rocky Mountain region, including this one. I'm Maeve Conran. An American flag has been flying from a hiking trail above Palisade on Colorado's western slope, for a hundred years, and many local residents have felt a responsibility to maintain it. Joshua Vorse of Rocky Mountain PBS brings us this audio postcard. I saw this flag up here is all beat up and worn out, and I decided to change it out and put a new flag up here. Mike Kennedy, I've been coming up here since about 2017 or so. Since I was in the Boy Scouts and I was in the Masons, I'm attributed to my wanting to see the flag in good shape. And I thought, why would that pole be up there? Long story short, I started thinking, well, I'm going to do some search on the Mesa County Libraries and see if I can find some information about that pole. It was put up here in 1915 by John D. Reeder. John Reeder came here in 1883. Um, he was one of the early pioneers and very much loved. I'm Priscilla Walker. I'm the founding chair of the Palisade Historical Society. To have something that's up there that put in 1915 by a, one of the founding fathers of Palisade that had that dream. This has always been a patriotic place. John D. Reeder passed away in 1939. That same day, they came up here and replaced the flag to commemorate his dream of keeping old glory flying above the town of Palisade. And more recently, Mike Kennedy and Riley Parker have been wonderful at keeping the, you know, tradition alive. Thomas Paine is my favorite author. His, his quote is amazing. Our world is my country and mankind is my brother. And to do good is my only religion. This is a geotag box. You can put your name in here. Nice hike. Life is good. That audio postcard from Rocky Mountain PBS was produced by Joshua Vorse, and you can see the video at rmpbs.org. A Farmington, New Mexico musician is channeling John Cage and his Navajo ancestors to honour those lost in the long walk. Clark Adamidas of KSUT and KSJD brings us the story of a musical performance that will run for four and a half years. Delbert Anderson is a jazz musician and composer in Farmington, New Mexico. 
A few years ago, he was having dinner with a musician friend north of San Francisco. It was a sushi spot. <laughs> we were waiting on a table talking about different compositions, and the idea of silence came about. The conversation turned toward the use of silence in musical compositions. And then he brought up John Cage, and we talked about you know his famous piece, the silent piece. Was it 433? 433 is among the most famous works by 20th century composer John Cage. In the piece, the performing musicians sit at concert rest, poised to play their instruments, but never doing so. As they waited for a table, Anderson and his friend riffed on John Cage's use of silence. He started to say that there's this other piece, it's like 600 years long, and I thought, whoa, that's, you know, pretty cool. I never knew about that. The 600-year-long piece is called As Slow As Possible. It's a series of notes performed over centuries, with intermittent periods of silence lasting months. It's a performance that outlives the performers. I just thought it was the coolest thing. Like, wow, 600 years, and you're only going to average be there 70 to 100 years of this composition alive. It was these conversations that inspired Delbert Anderson's own experiments with silence and time. I want to do a piece that's long, but within someone's lifetime. Alrighty, well, we'll go ahead and get started. Recently, Anderson launched a performance of a piece he calls The Long Walk. The piece is short compared to the John Cage work that inspired it, a total of 50 notes played over four and a half years. But where John Cage was focused on conceptual abstractions of sound and time, Anderson has woven cultural history into his composition. Um, thanks for coming out. My name is Delbert Anderson. In December, Anderson gathers with community members and musicians at an art gallery in Farmington. The performance tonight is a single note played for a 30-second interval, a concert D. And those of you who want to participate, you're welcome to sing the note as well. You can hold the note as long as you, you want. Some people just do a simple bop, and that's it. And Each note of the composition comes every month or two over 1,674 days. That's the length of time Navajo people were forced from their homeland in the 1860s by the U.S. government. We thought it was just kind of a march, but they were well taken care of, and, you know, they eventually got sent back home so what's the big deal kind of thing so when I started seeing how like you know our ancestors were treated it was mind-blowing. In his research Anderson learned Navajo people were malnourished and weren't clothed properly. They were forced to walk 450 miles to an internment camp in New Mexico. During some periods 20 to 30 starved each week. These are the details performers and audience members consider in the moments before the note is played. So, all righty, let's go ahead and get ready. One, two, three, and... The musicians hold the D note as we reflect on a history that's more than a hundred years old. Following the note, there's silence for some time. Awesome. Yeah. When I played that concert uh, D on my trombone, I just felt echoes of like generations of, of ancestors. 
Sam Botter is a trombonist and a native Hawaiian who lives in Farmington. It was spiritually very grounding. And I think I really felt it in the silence after I played. Like I played the note and then there was that silence for me. The note was still going, but I had to close my eyes and just kind of sit and think with it for a little bit. The 50th and final note will be performed on June 1st, 2028. In the intervening time, several dozen additional notes will be played. Between each of those notes, there are periods of silence. Silence that reminds us of the deprivations and uncertainties Navajo people faced during their long walk in the 1860s. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. Thousands of people took to the slopes in the Tetons in December to break the world record for skiing in jeans. KHOL's Hannah Mersbach reports from a Bluebird Day at the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. It's about 20 degrees and super sunny at the base of Jackson Hole Resort's two gondolas. And it's a sea of denim. Ski instructor Ren Hoffman is practicing her disco moves near a live band. So we have a full Canadian tux with a disco helmet and a lot of glitter on. A Canadian tux is all denim. Some are wearing denim shorts or even the occasional jean speedo. Others tuck in snow pants under their denim. Dylan Reuter dons a brown cowboy hat, thrift store jeans, and rainbow pit viper glasses. I'm a coastal cowboy just looking to shred some pal. He and some friends from Newport Beach, California, saw the resort advertising on social media that it was attempting to break the world skiing in jeans record. We all immediately bought tickets and booked a little lodging and came out. The resort says skiing in jeans is a way to kick off the winter season and say a record is something people can latch on to. Colorado's Arapahoe Basin claimed the title in 2020 when 80 people wore denim on the slopes. This year, a New Zealand report topped them with just over 100. 1365, 1366, 1367. I'm not counting you until you come back in jeans. Blaine Gillilad is recording the numbers as skiers file in under an inflatable black archway. We broke the record like three minutes in, or like by 8.30 before we even opened. The resort was offering lift tickets for $25 and sold out. Day tickets typically go for about 200 bucks here. Kelly Worth, who's from Jackson, says that can make skiing unattainable. It's kind of becoming an elitist sport, which is sad, so it's fun to get back to the jeans and remember the good old days. In a group of women wearing bright pink boas, Worth says people wear jeans when they can't afford snow pants. The latest high-tech brands can go for hundreds of dollars. Nowadays, many see skiing in jeans as a joke, something you do on April Fool's or closing day. But according to Reuter, the coastal cowboy... Skiing in jeans is freedom. That's what it is. Skiing in jeans is freedom. The final tally of skiers in jeans, 3,114. Hannah Mersbach, K-12 News. You've been listening to The Regional Roundup, a production of Rocky Mountain Community Radio a network of public and community radio stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah and New Mexico, including this one. Thanks to Taya Jay at KVMF, Joshua Vorse of Rocky Mountain PBS, Clark Adamidas of KSUT and KSJD, and Hannah Mersbach at KHOL for today's show.
Our theme music is Take Me Somewhere by Joel Adam Russell. I'm Maeve Conran. Thanks for listening. <laughs>